thank you for tuning in to the Voice of Victory. Today you will hear a sermon from our pastor, Lloyd Warren. He'll be preaching a sermon from the series called God's Word. We hope this sermon will be a help as you listen along. Psalms 19, we're going to continue as we've been looking at uh, God's, how God beautifully symbolizes His Word. And uh, we looked at a lot of symbolism in the Bible about the Word of God. And our text is found in Psalms, Psalms 7. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. If you look at verse 10, More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. God gives us some great pictures throughout the Bible of exactly what His Word is to us. This symbolism is more than just something He just happened to pick out and compare it to. There's, there's truth behind the symbolism that God has used to explain what His Word means to us. As we look at this symbolism, we'll see the importance of God's Word, its importance, its power, and the need that we have for God's Word in our life. Now, we've already seen several symbols already, and we'll go look at those for just a second. Psalms 19, 7, and 10 tells us that His Word is like gold. It compares His Word to bread in Matthew 4, 4. It compares it, the Bible compares to itself to a hammer in Jeremiah 23, 29, to honey in Psalms 19, verse 10. I'll be honest, that was one I really enjoyed as I began to study that, uh, even more so than the others thus far. We see that in James 1, 23, the Bible is compared to a mirror. And in 1 Peter 2, 2, it's compared to milk. Last Wednesday night, we found that God's Word is compared to seed, and that's in Luke chapter 8, verse 11. Tonight, we're going to see another comparison. Turn with me to Psalms chapter 119, please. Psalms 119 and verse 105, we'll see another example of God's Word. <clears throat> You'll know this verse very well. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So the next thing we find here, and I appreciate my son Andrew who let me borrow his lamp. And so we're going to see how God's word is compared to a lamp. And here he says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now I almost brought one of my old Coleman uh, uh, camping lamps, you know, but I could just see that thing tipping over and that propane bottle shooting around this room. Uh, starting a fire, I, that would happen. And if anyone could get that done, I could. So I'm just not going to do it. So we went with a battery-operated lamp tonight. So anyway, praise the Lord for that. So we find here that uh, as we think about God's Word being a lamp, we're immediately reminded that we live in a dark world. I mean, you see what's going on all around us, and the world has always been dark. I mean, that's what sin does, and the devil is uh, a leader of darkness. And so We've always, any time in history, but we see things seem to be getting a little darker. Now, God warned us about that. He said that in the last days, perilous times would come. I believe we're in those last days. And we're seeing a dark world out there, men doing some very dark things. And, and you heard recently about the shooting up at the 4th of July parade. And, uh, and, so, and so you see what can happen in, in darkness and men who are in darkness without Christ. Now, why is this world a dark place? Well, the reason is because of the sin curse. The sin curse. You understand, child of God, that is not the way God created this planet. He created a, a paradise that we know as Eden. 
And yet man, because of sin, brought this sin curse upon the earth. Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so that death passed upon all men for that all of sin. That's the sin curse that came in. That sin curse has caused this planet not to be the place that God had originally created it to be. That's what sin does. Sin messes everything up. Sin will mess a marriage up. It will mess a family up. Sin will mess a business up. It will certainly mess a church up. It messes us up as individuals. And so we find there's a curse that goes along with sin. And that's why the world is a dark place, because of sin. And men naturally gravitate towards sin and darkness. We find that the prince of darkness is having his hour. We could say Luke twenty-two fifty-three. when I was daily with you. This is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He talks to the mob that came out to him to take him by force to crucify him. He says, when I was daily with you in the temple, you stretched forth not, no hands against me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. Now, I want you to notice, he said, this is your hour. And I know literally, historically, we could look at him saying, well, that's what he's talking about, this hour in which they take him before the priests. But I think there's a little spiritual truth there. You know, God's in control and darkness only has about an hour to take power. Child of God, the devil is not going to take power forever. And he doesn't have total power now even. God's still in control. We're going to look at more of that in here in just a second. But I'm glad that God makes it very clear that sin, yes, it's pleasurable, but it's only for a season. And the, and the power of darkness may have an hour, but it's not in control of the entire day. You're going to find hours in your life where it gets pretty dark. And we're going to find that the lamp will help you through those dark times. You see, sin loves darkness. John 3.19 and this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world. And men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Now that's one reason that you can have people you work with that will get upset at you and get mad at you when you've really done nothing. You haven't even, maybe you hadn't even really tried to witness to them, but you find suddenly they're mad at you. Why is that? If you're trying to live the Christian life, you are bringing light to a person that would rather remain in darkness. You have a group of people sitting in a dark room and suddenly you walk in and flip the light on. Everyone goes, oh, thank you so much. No, they go, ah, oh, turn it out. Oh, it hurts their eyes. They've gotten used to the darkness. We have a world that is used to darkness and men naturally gravitate to darkness. And when a child of God comes in, and boy, he's taking the lamp of God's word and he's starting to shine it around, don't be shocked when people are upset about that. They shouldn't be shocked. Well, you know, I'm, I'm trying to help them. Yes, you are trying to help them. And you will help them, so continue to shine the light. But don't be shocked if their response is not positive all the time. Sin loves darkness. You know, it's not, everyone knows that most crimes take place at night. When the lights go out, boy, that's when the creatures come out, right? I, I remember someone told me a long time ago, they said, you know, not much good takes place after 12 o'clock at night, you know, unless you're at work. But that's the truth. Very little goes on after 12, but a whole lot of evil goes on. And so darkness brings that in. Now, what I love about our Savior is that he came, one of the things I love about him, is that he came to illuminate the darkness. He came to illuminate, to bring the light. John 12, 46. 
I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Luke 1, 79. To give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Jesus Christ came to bring light into a dark world. Now, when Adam fell... And once again, we all choose to fall. We all, we all choose to fail because of our, we desire to sin. We, we make the same decisions that Adam did. You say, well, if I was Adam, I wouldn't have eaten of that tree. We eat of that tree every day. Every day. Now, it's not an actual tree, but we choose to sin over what God wants us to do. And so as darkness came into the world and God, knowing that men would be inclined to darkness and turn their back on him, he could have left us in the dark, couldn't he? He could have just left us. But instead, God said and that he loved the world and he sent his only begotten son, Jesus, who came to this world and illuminated the darkness. The next thing we find as we think about a lamp, light, darkness, God is light. And I emphasize the word is there. God is light. In 1 John 1, 5, it says, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. I've always loved that verse. I, I just like that. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Now, I want you to see that the Bible didn't say that God has light. It said, Brother Bobby, God is light. Now, there's something to learn there, because we also know that the Bible tells us in 1 John 4, 8, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is is what? Love. I'm sorry, it's love here. The first one was light. God is love. Once again, it doesn't say that God just shows love or God has love. It says God is love. God is light. God is love. Knowing this, then we find that if God is light and love, then the only way to know full light and full love is to know God. Yeah. The only way to know full, and I, I use that word on purpose, complete, full light, complete, full love is to know God. Now, the goodness of God allows men everywhere, both saved and lost, to experience both light and love. They can experience both. But without Him, you don't get the complete package. You just get the sort of the spillover. Because of the goodness of God. Sure, lost men understand love. Lost men experience some love. But the only way to truly experience the complete, full effects of love is to know the God who is love. And if you don't have him, there's no way you can experience full love. There's no way you can experience full light. Jesus gives light, we find, to every man. To every man. Every man that comes into this world. How do we know it? John 1, 9. John 1, 9 says, that was the light, which lighteth, and by the way, um, I know I'm not giving you time to turn to some of these verses, but in John 1, 9, if you want to turn there, you'll find the word light is a capital L, because that's what Jesus is, and that's one of his names. He is light. Who, that was the true light, which, here's what it says in John 1, 9, which lighteth Every man that cometh into the world. And that's why we know that all men will be without excuse when they stand before God. He lights every man. Every person has an opportunity to receive the gospel. 
That's what the Bible tells us. He lighteth every man. Praise the Lord for that. Now the truth is, some people get a whole lot more light than other people. Yeah. And that's unfortunate. I forgot, who was it that said um, every man ought to have the right to hear the gospel once before any man hears it twice? Thank you, brother. Oswald J. Smith said that. One of the greatest evangelists there's ever been. You know, every man ought to see the gospel once before anyone has a right to it. I asked this question, I think it was Sunday in one of the messages. But how many of you came to know Jesus Christ the very first time you heard the gospel? You know what? I think Brother Cody, there's just maybe one or two hands. Most all of us, it took two, three, four, five, 25, 30, 50, 75 times before we finally responded to the gospel. Praise the Lord, you had that many opportunities. And that's one of the blessings of living in this great nation. My goodness, every American has multiple opportunity to come to know Christ. But there are people in other parts of the world who may only get one opportunity. But I guarantee you, according to God's word, they get an opportunity because he lighteth every man. So I'm thankful that Jesus, who brought the light, who is the light, he came and he, he, he gives that light to every man. Now men, here's something else. Hey, soul winner, let me encourage you. Men are naturally, not only are they naturally drawn to sin, but they are also naturally drawn to light. If you're in a dark room, if we shut off every light in this auditorium, now we have enough windows, there'd still be light to get in. I'll give you an example. I was at uh, uh, Cumberland Caverns, and they used to take you in there, and at one point in one of those rooms in the cave, they'd turn all the lights out. And they tell you before they did, they'd say, put your hand in front of your face. And you do that, and they turn the lights out. You could not see your hand. It was so dark that you could feel the darkness. While we were in there, there was a lady in our group who I guess had a natural fear of darkness. I don't know. But no sooner than they turned the lights out and everyone's like, whoa, wow, it's so dark. Suddenly we saw this flame. And everybody's attention was drawn to it. She'd gotten her cigarette lighter out and she was over there like this just to give herself a little light. She was scared to death. So she had her cigarette lighter out. Guess what? Everybody there saw it. She couldn't keep it hid. She was trying to. Yeah, when you're in a dark room, the least bit of light, everybody will be drawn to it. If you're in a dark area, if there's some light coming in through under a door or through a crack, if you want to find out if there's, if there's a, a, a hole in the ceiling or in the roof, you turn all the lights out, make sure no light can get in, and then you look up on a bright day and you'll see the light coming through. Any little bit of light, you'll be drawn to it. Now, what can we learn from that? We find that God has promised that Jesus lighteth every man. So men, I believe on the authority of the word of God, are naturally drawn to the light. What do you mean, preacher? That means every man inside of him knows there's a God, whether he'll admit it or not. And every man is searching for some light. It's in him. It's natural in him. And that makes it easier for the child of God to share the gospel because there's something in men that is searching. They're looking for that light. And you know what we do? We can say, hey, we've got it. We've got the light right over here. You can get the light right over here. Praise the Lord. Men are naturally drawn to light. And Jesus is the light. Christians, by the way, are lights. Did you know you're a light? 
In Matthew 5.14 it says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. You're the light of the world, Christian, child of God. You're light. Not only is our Savior light, and here in a minute we'll see that obviously the Word of God is light, but you're a light. Luke 16, 8. And the Lord commanded the unjust steward, commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser, and notice what he calls us here, than the children of light. You know, if I'm going to be, I don't want to be a child of the darkness, I want to be a child of the light, Brother Jeff. I'm glad that we are children of light. And so we also shine forth the light that's in us, Jesus Christ. Here's the question, though. How much light are you shining? How much light are we shining? You know, I, I know from this lamp, the way it works is that you can, you can bring it out as, as much as you want, depending on how much light you want to shine. You know, some people are giving it all they got. Boy, they're, they're, they're doing a lot, and some are just barely showing anything at all. Some, you can't even hardly see the light. Hey, what kind of light are you shining today, child of God? I hope you're giving it all you've got. I hope you're giving all the light that God has allowed you to give. You know, here's some ways to shine your light in a dark world. I encourage you to do this. Most of you do. When you're out in public getting ready to eat, pray over your food. Say the blessing over your food. I heard someone say, well, that's just a tradition. Well, that's a good one. Now, I, God tells us to thank him for our food, so there you go. I believe it's more than a tradition. I believe it's biblical. But I'll tell you something. You go into a, a restaurant, and you and your family stop, and you bow your head, and dad or mom or even one of the kids lead in prayer, everybody in that, that restaurant's going to notice. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to see some light. They're going to see some light. Hey, listen, when we as children of God dress modestly, in a world that is extremely immodest, you'll shine a light. I was at a place of business today, and, and this woman came in very, very immodestly dressed, terribly immodestly dressed. As a matter of fact, as soon as I saw her, I had turned my head. It was that bad. The man who owned the business came around the corner, and she needed to talk to him, and he's like... <laughs> and she went on around, and he came around, and he said, my goodness. He said, some women just, just don't know how to dress, do they? I said, I was thinking the same thing. You know what? But I'll tell you what. A Christian lady or a Christian man, this is for all of us, dressing modestly is a light that shines. I'll just share this with you. You know, we run this, this fireworks tent every year. We never had to tell anybody we're Christian. They come in, they see our ladies in skirts, they see us fellas dressed modestly, and, and, and you know what? They just, most of the people that come in our fireworks tent think that we're doing it for a church because we look like church people. You know, child of God, there's nothing wrong with looking like church people. It's, I'm just telling you, it's a way to shine your light. Preacher, I just don't see why it's that big a deal. That's, you do what you feel like is right. I'm going to tell you something. I want to show as much light as I can. And most people that I am around, I don't ever get to share the gospel with. But if they can see something in me from a distance... They can see something a little different about me. Hey, another way to shine your light is the way that we treat people. The way we treat people. Folks are watching. You treat folks nice. You keep your calm. I lost my calm today, unfortunately. <laughs> Brother Ricky, you know about it. I lost my calm today. But I'll tell you something. When you keep your calm, unlike I did today, then, then uh, 
I didn't lose it with him, by the way. He just knows the story. <laughs> he just knows the story. It's tough when you're working on, on projects, right, brother? I praise God for Brother Ricky Smotherman and for Brother David Adcock. I'd have, I'd have probably quit the church uh, the last two weeks over these two projects we've got going had I not had their help. I kid you not. But anyway, but we need to treat people right no matter how they treat us. That's tough. But folks notice that. I'll tell you another thing people notice is your speech. And I'm not talking about using proper English necessarily either. But really in the way that you don't talk. Gentlemen, you're working on the job site and you never cuss, they'll catch on quick. And you, I mean, you don't have to be singing Amazing Grace. You just never, you just never use a foul language and they're going to be like, he's a church guy. That's usually what they like. They, they don't know what else to call it. Yeah, he, he's religious. He's a church guy. I remember when I worked at Steel Processing Plant up in Indiana, they called me uh, the Sunday school boy. I hated that one. But you know, just the way you talk or don't talk will show folks. I'll be honest, I'm so used to calling people brother. Brother Ethan, I'll, I'll see someone who's not even saved, and I'll go, okay, brother. And they're like, what? <laughs> you know, I, I say amen to everything. I've got preacher in me too much. Folks that say, yeah, we, hey, you know, that's been discounted. I'll go, hey, man. They're like, what? <laughs> so just the way we talk, I'm not telling you you've got to run around saying amen. Hey, listen, your schedule will show light. I guarantee you your neighbors know if you go to church regularly. They see you pull out. Sunday morning, that family won't be there. They'll be at church. Someone come knock on your door. Hey, don't, they're not there. They're at church. How do they know that? They see you do it every week. Every week. And you're shining the light. And all you're doing is just living just a normal Christian life. And then, of course, as we witness, we shine a huge light. The darker the night, the brighter the light. Child of God, it's a dark world. But we can shine brighter than we have ever had the opportunity before. Let's be honest, there was a time in America's history where Christians didn't stand out too much from the rest of the world. Everybody had a degree of morality. Everybody had a degree of modesty. Everybody had a degree of honesty, patriotism, all of that. There was a a level of it that, praise the Lord, our nation had developed. Not, Not any longer. And if you've got it, people notice it. You stand out now, child of God, more than you've ever than we have ever been able to in the past. Brother Jim used to say this all the time. It's getting gloriously dark. I love that. Yeah, it's getting dark, but it's getting gloriously dark. How does it get gloriously dark, preacher? The darker it gets, the closer we are to being pulled out of here. Amen. The closer we are to leaving this dark world. We find that God's Christians are lights. God's word is light, which is what our main uh, subject is, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. You see, the gospel brings light. The gospel is light, and it brings light to those who are lost in darkness. Please turn with me to Acts 26. In Acts chapter 26. Acts 26 verse 18, it says, To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. 
and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them, which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Have you ever been witnessing to somebody sharing the gospel? I've seen this many a time. And it doesn't always happen in, in a very obvious way, but sometimes it's very obvious. You're witnessing to somebody, and they're listening to you, and all of a sudden you see a light turn on. You see it in their eyes. It's like, they get it. They got it. They understand. It's like they went from unbelief to belief. It's like they went from darkness. To, and you, you realize, boy, they got it. You can almost see it in their eyes. You see like a light turn on. That's a beautiful thing to experience. The gospel brings light. And by the way, the more of God's word you know, the more light you will have. I'm talking about you personally having light. You need light, father, mother, Young people, you need light in order to know what kind of decisions to make. You're going to have to have light in a dark world or you're going to make a lot of bad decisions. Look, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why did he do that? Verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints. That's the completing of the saints. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying, the encouraging of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. If you're not going to be deceived by men, you're going to have to have some light. And the more of God's light, the word of God you get, the less you will be deceived. The problem with so many believers today in the average church is there's not much light being preached. There's some great programs and there's some great fellowship and there's some great entertainment, but there's very little light being preached anymore. And so God's people are starving for biblical truth. And so when some charlatan, some deceiver comes down the road, they, even though they may be a believer and they may go, I don't know, they'll fall for it because they don't have a lot of light. They don't have a lot of God's word. And that's sad to see that happen to someone. The more of God's word you know, the more light you will have. There's countries where the gospel has been readily available, like the United States. And have you noticed that countries that where the gospel has been readily available tend to prosper more than those that don't? That's a fact. Countries that have more gospel that are readily available, or at least they did in the past, those countries tend to prosper. And a lot of your third world countries did not have the gospel and their forefathers did not bring that in. And it has hurt the country, economically even. You know, the Bible and Christianity illuminate a dark world. They do. Christianity has always, listen, Christianity has always promoted thinking, questioning, and learning. Christianity has always promoted thinking, questioning, and learning. God wants his people to learn. 
2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. God doesn't expect us to go through life with some type of blind reliance on things that we just don't understand or can't comprehend. No, He wants us to question. He, young people, He wants you to seek. He wants you to find the truth. He tells us if we seek, we will find. Christians have always promoted education. Always. Did you, did you know this? Did you know that the Ivy League schools in the United States were all started as Bible colleges? And all of them still have a divinity department. I would not recommend any of it. Oh, my goodness. But they were all started to promote the gospel as schools to train preachers. That's a fact. Yale, Princeton, Harvard, University of Chicago. John D. Rockefeller gave tons of money to build the University of Chicago so that they could train preachers to go out west. Yeah, you wouldn't know that today. If you were on campus, you'd have no clue about that. But that's the history. Princeton was started as a Bible college, and, and I was talking with my son about this on the way in. He gave me some information I, I had forgotten about. I'd heard, but I'd forgotten about. Most of you have heard of um, David Brainerd, one of the great missionaries of our time that brought the gospel to the Indian people. David Brainerd was attending Yale. He attended Yale to get his, his degree in theology and Bible. Yale! He got kicked out of Yale because he was a little too, a little too, probably what we would call fundamental. They didn't like it. So he got kicked out of Yale, and there was others that didn't like what that, that happened, and Princeton was started. And that's where they went. Both Bible college, Bible colleges, Harvard. You know, Harvard Yale degree is one of the greatest quote degrees if you're going to be in law. Um, Harvard Law Degree. What did I say? Yale Degree? Harvard Law Degree is, you know, all these politics. Oh, they went to Harvard. They went to Harvard. Let me tell you something about Harvard. Let me read this for you. Harvard, that was established in 1636, this is what its founders said, and you can go to their website and read this on your own for the reasoning behind the founding of Harvard uh, College, Harvard University now. After God had carried us safe to New England and we had built our houses, provided necessities for our livelihood, reared convenient places for God's worship, and settled the civil government, one of the next things we longed for and looked after was to advance learning and perpetuate it to posterity, dreading to leave an illiterate ministry to the churches when our present ministers shall lie in the dust. That's the reason that Harvard was started. You wouldn't know it so much today. You know, we have our great schools of learning because of Christianity. Christians have always, always been for learning, always promoted education, Sunday school. Do you know how Sunday school was started? In England. It started in England, the first Sunday schools. The reason for Sunday school is so that it would teach, they used Sunday school to teach the illiterate children on the streets how to read. Yeah, that's where the Sunday school came from. And then it was adopted here in the United States. And of course now it's more about, we've got better educational system in some ways, and it's more about just teaching the Word of God. But why did they want to learn how to read? So that they could read the Bible. You see, Christianity brings light. 
Not only religious light, but even educational. Christianity brings light. Don't ever let anyone try to tell you otherwise. History proves the opposite. Now, let's, let's talk about today. Atheism and liberalism. You know what? They shut down open forum. They shut it down. They have been restricting free speech. Oh, we see it everywhere. Professors are not allowed to question evolution. Not allowed, or you could lose your position. That's a fact. How many of you have ever seen the movie Expelled by Ben Stein? If you haven't seen it, you ought to watch it. You ought to watch it. Very entertaining, full of information. You'll enjoy the movie. Ben Stein, Expelled. And he interviews professors whose jobs were placed in jeopardy just because they dared to question the narrative, dared to question evolution. That's what atheism does. That's what liberalism does. Christianity says, bring it on. We'll take the questions because we got the answers. Hey, we don't have anything to, shine, to, to hide. We'll shine a light on it. That's what Christianity does. Now, we're accused of the opposite, but it simply is not true. What's going on right now in social media today? Who's, ha who's having their voices silenced? Mm -hmm. Christians are having their voices silenced. How about big tech? Oh, they're all about free speech, right? No, no, no. If your speech doesn't agree with their speech, then your speech is restricted. Oh, yeah, we see it all around us. You know why? Because there's less Christianity. Because there's less, and as you see less Christianity, you're going to see less freedom. Christianity has brought freedom to this world, and as Christianity loses its power, you're going to see less freedom in great countries, even like our, our country. It, it, it's amazing to me, back in the 70s and, and before, liberals who were all against, boy, they were all against censorship. All against it. You ought to be able to get on television and drop an F-bomb and say whatever you want to say. We're free speech. What are you Christians doing trying to censor our free speech? All about it. Now they're all for it. No, the, not against the bad language. <laughs> That's still out there. But don't you talk about God. And don't you share conservative thoughts or conservative principles. No, we'll shut you down, we'll shut you up, and we'll shut you out. And that's what we see going on. You know where you find freedom? Through God, through Christianity, brings light. Communism has always been the enemy of Christianity. Why is communism so hateful and so against Christianity? Because communism controls speech. And Christianity encourages questioning. Christianity encourages thinking. Christianity encourages you to find the truth. And communism says, no, you just trust us on what the truth is. John 8, 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That's the God we serve. That's the Bible, the lamp. Sometimes, by the way, sometimes God only gives us enough light into the future to be able to take the next step. Let's look back at our text. Psalms 119, 105 says, Thy word is a what? A lamp unto my feet. A lamp unto my feet. A lamp doesn't cast a whole lot of light, does it? And often God does not give us a lot of light into the future. Now, he'll give you all the light you want when you want to find out truth. But when you want to find out what's coming tomorrow, Brother Eric, or it's coming a month from now or a year from now, you may not find a lot of light for that. 
Because his word is a lamp unto your feet. A lamp. We find God's word will give us just enough. We get frustrated by this. We get frustrated by the fact that we don't know the future. We get worried about what's coming. We get worried about what we're, what maybe, you know, I want to know. And young people, you want to know who you're going to marry and where you're going to work and, and what your life's going to be like. And you want to know these things and you can't figure out what's going to happen. And, and that bothers us. So why would God allow this? Well, knowing everything up front requires no faith. If I already know everything, then I don't have to have exercise any faith because I've already known it, Brother Andy. I can process the information, make my decision based on everything that I know is coming, and that requires no faith. But when I'm not sure what's coming, and that's where we're at, and that's where we have to live, that requires faith. God knows best. My wife and I and, and you and your family You've experienced many a time where you're looking down the road and you can't see but just two, three feet in front of your face. And you're like, how on earth am I going to make it? How on earth am I going to get it done? I don't see it. I don't see it happening. I don't see how it can happen. And God says, don't you worry about it. You just take the next step. That one right there, okay? But what's down there? Don't worry about what's down there. You can see what's right here. And take that step and that step. There you go, and that's step. What's way down there? You don't need to know what's way down there. By the way, if we knew everything that was way down there, we'd give up. We'd say, forget this. There's no way I can do that. I'm out of here. So he gives us just enough light to make the next step. You know, I'm thankful for that. But God requires faith. Hebrews eleven six. but without faith, it is impossible to please him. He requires faith. Everything. Almost everything, so much in what we do in life requires faith. You know, the evolution crowd or the atheist crowd says, that's why I can't be a Christian, because of all that faith stuff. I just can't do that faith stuff. They do it every day. Every day. You and I put our faith in God. They put their faith in the teenager who's cooking their hamburger at McDonald's and hoping they're not going to spit a loogie in it before they hand it back to them. Yeah. I'll be honest, there's been times I've walked into some places and see certain people working and told Emily, we're going somewhere else. <laughs> I don't have enough faith. <laughs> Brother Dalton, when you've been a youth pastor, you, you sort of, you know that. But I'll tell you something, people, it's, hey, when you're heading down the interstate going 70 miles an hour or some of you 90 or whatever anyway, <laughs> and here comes that tractor and trailer going about the same rate of speed, and he's loaded with thousands of pounds. But you trust him. You trust that guy, that lady in that truck, that they're going to stay on their side of the road. And you have no clue if they are or not. And, and you'll, when we head up to Indiana, we'll pass thousands of people. And Brother Bobby, every one of those people I put faith in, every single one of them, they're going to stay on their side of the road. You know how I know that? Because there's a yellow line right here. And they won't cross that yellow line. That yellow line will protect me. Yeah. <laughs> faith. Hey, so why is it so odd to put faith in a God who has never let me down? A God who is 100% correct? A God who has proven himself again and again, Brother Rich? I, I'll keep faith in him. Sure. It's a whole lot easier to put faith in him than all this other. The problem is not that we do not have enough light. Listen to this. 
The problem is not that we do not have enough light. The problem is that we refuse to use the light that we have. Preacher, God just demands too much. He won't show me, hey, I need more light. I need more. No, you've got enough light. Use what you've got. I'm preaching to myself here. We refuse to use the light that we have. Proverbs 2.13, who leave the paths of righteousness to walk in the ways of darkness. How many a believer who has the light, the word of God, but yet they choose to put it down and say, nope, I'll take these steps in the dark. It's crazy. But we do it all the time, don't we? Sometimes light is not, hey, listen, sometimes light is not much as much about seeing as it is about being seen. You know, if you look at cars and uh, cars and, uh, and planes and boats, you'll find that they travel. Let's just take a plane. When a plane's in the air, the lights that it has is not so it can see what's coming. Because it doesn't matter. It's traveling so fast. If there's a bird, uh, goodbye. <laughs> I heard a story. You know, they, they, uh, they build these, uh, these airplanes so that the windshields that they have won't shatter. And I heard that, so they, got a, they developed a gun that would shoot, actually shoot full turkeys into those windshields, just see if the windshields are strong enough. And so they'd shoot those turkeys into the windshield and, and one country was doing it and they said, every time we do that, it busts our windshield. We don't understand. So they came to check it out and they found out the problem was not the turkey, it wasn't the windshields, the fact they didn't thaw the turkey out before they shot it out of the, out of the gun. Listen, you know, they don't use those lights so they can see ahead. They use those lights so, that people, so everyone can see them. I've been on a boat with Brother Travis and Miss Dana. And when you're out there on the water, you're not really looking that far in front of you. You can't see in front of you. Especially, I'm talking about at night. You can't see in front of you. So why does that boat have lights? Now, they could, they could throw a spotlight on. But even then, you've got to slow down so you can see things. It's on you like that. Why do you have lights so others can see you? Hey, child of God, God's not worried about us throwing a bunch of light out where we can see the next step. He wants to give you just enough light so people can see you. So that people can see you. Hey, we're lights in this dark world. We're to attract people in darkness to our light. If you're looking up at a beautiful sky at night and maybe there's no stars out, and you know what you'll do if it's really dark? If there's any airplane anywhere near, you'll see it. No matter how small those lights are on that plane, you'll see it. Because that light stands out in the darkness. Child of God, let's stand out in the darkness. Although the world is dark, God did not leave us without a lamp. I praise the Lord for this. Yes, the world is dark, but he didn't leave us without a lamp. You know what the lamp is. The lamp is his word. Right here. He could have said, hey, you're on your own. I love you. And you can talk to me in prayer. And you can worship in the house of God. And you can do all these things that come along with Christianity. But he went further, Brother Bobby. He gave us something to hold in our hands. There's something about tangible things, right? People say, Christianity, there's nothing tangible there. It's all, you know, out. No, listen, I can hold on to something that came straight from God. I can see it. I can read it. I can hold it. And guess what? It's a lamp. The Word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. 
I can endure the darkness as long as I have a lamp. You ever been out in the woods hunting? Been out someplace where it's really dark? You can't see hardly anything, but you're okay as long as you've got a flashlight. You're okay as long as you've got a lamp, you know, keep up, make sure there's no snakes. At least you, there may be snakes there, there and over there, but at least I know there's none right here. <laughs> yeah, that lamp will take care of you. That lamp will get you through dark times. The lamp helps us to see truth. What would we do? What would we do? Brother Joe, if, if we didn't have the Bible, we would have to take the word of men, wouldn't we? We'd have to take the word of those who came before us. Well, this is what God wants. This is what, and, and by the way, false religions, that's what they've done. They've sidelined the word of God and said, just trust us. You don't need that. We'll tell you what you need to know. Uh-uh, you need that. You need that. That's how we know where the truth is. That's how we know, young people, when a preacher is preaching the truth, does he back it up with the word of God? And so we find the truth right there. It will help us see truth. The lamp gives us enough light to see the next step that we need to take. The lamp keeps us from falling into danger. A lamp will let you know where there's a precipice. It'll let you know where there's a sudden drop. A lamp will show you. And so you can stay away from the danger. That's what God's word does. The lamp encourages us to learn. We've already talked about that. I believe that God has taken many a man and many a woman who may not have had a whole lot of learning, a whole lot of a, a good education, but they got into God's Word and He remedied that. This book will teach you some things. It will help you educationally and academically. By the way, you're a lamp to somebody. You're a lamp. There's someone watching you in this dark world. They're watching you. What kind of light are you showing? Hey, if you go out, you shut the light down, what are they going to do? Well, I guess that wasn't real. I thought he was the real deal. I thought she was the real deal, but I guess they weren't. No need to go down that path because that wasn't very real. Hey, you better keep the light up. Keep pumping out the light. You're a lamp to someone, last of all. Let me ask you this question. Have you allowed the lamp, this, the lamp, to bring you to the light, capital L. You see, God gave us a lamp, and this lamp would lead us to the light, Jesus Christ. Have you allowed that? Do you know him as your personal Savior? If not, you get that settled tonight. Psalms 107, 14 says, He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and break their bands asunder. Maybe you're still in bondage lost. You can break those bands asunder through Christ Jesus and this lamp will lead you to him. 